Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Neer. I'm Brett, and today we talk about the diversity of experiences available in games within the same genre, and how with just a little bit of magic, the same skeleton can be reanimated and given new life. All right. Hey, Walker, what's going on? What's got you picking up your sticks this week? What's going on, Brett? Um, a few different things, actually. Um, of course, many. Th- it's funny how many different games I play, and yet how much I also play the same stuff while mixing in different games, usually because the different games don't get played for that long. Um, still doing WoW, classic and retail. Um real close to max level with a character on both um you were still looking at at unlocking one of the alternate races on retail right yeah yeah they they just came out with the mechanome which looks super cool and then they have other allied races already there um on the alliance side they've also got dark iron dwarves which look super cool i'm not normally a huge dwarf fan but like evil menacing dwarf i'm a little more into um fair yeah but anyway so um so yeah still still going through all that um i i feel kind of it's weird because with classic i feel like i feel myself currently being more drawn to retail um but i think it's because in retail i have a clear idea in my head of what it looks like when I get to max level and what I'm trying to do and in, in classic, but in retail, I'm not playing with anybody. And in classic, I've got a couple of friends that play on the server that I'm on, but they've been max level for months now. And they actually aren't playing classic very much anymore. They've been playing stuff like apex and, you know, different shooters. Right. Um, and I'm a little torn on what to do because I kind of want, like I I've, I've played this whole time as like a DPS spec which is great because it allows me to to solo pretty easily. But the the class I am, which is the druid, is actually kind of it's actually kind of weak as any of the roles, but a, a DPS tanker healer, but it's it's probably strongest as a healer. Um so I kind of want to respect to that because I'd probably get the most, you know, power out of the character if you will that way. Yeah. The problem is is that specking the healing causes me to have to be reliant entirely on other people because going to solo as a healer is not very right. kill stuff slow. So I don't know. Anyway, I, that's probably not that fascinating. I just, it's just the, <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at with wow is trying to decide in classic what I really want to do. And are my friends actually going to be still playing? And if they're not, do I really care? Like, am I going to play solo? Like I am in retail? I don't know. So anyway, uh, no real fun stories or anything from it that I can think of. I mean, I've had fun playing, but nothing like the, that, that right. No, no epic. Yeah. No tale of, of glory. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Not in that same way. Um, and then recently I sort of, I picked up again, um, just over the weekend, I saw a a friend of mine who's kind of like a mutual friend, like he and I aren't really that close, but, we both have a friend that we're both close to. And, and so I was at an event over the weekend that I saw this guy at and he's a really big gamer. And he said he had been playing destiny two since it moved over to steam. And, uh, 
and so I decided I would I would jump back into to Destiny two, and that's why that's why I say it's funny because it's like it's a new thing, but it's something I've played before, and it's technically an MMO. So again, it, it's definitely in my wheelhouse of things that I <laughs> would go back to. Um, but yeah, Destiny two's been been interesting again. Um, I've only been playing it for a, a handful of days, but it's uh, it's an inner it, it, it Destiny. It leaves me perplexed because it does so many things so well and and yet it never just entirely hooks me like like even though i've played wow over and over and over again and, and other mmos over and over again i can still go back to them and get hooked where like i want to call into work and you know right <laughs> like, like really really lean into it and with destiny like i might even be compelled to play again but it never quite gets me there but I like I want it to like I want it to. <laughs> I always get that way with like Terraria because I've never beaten Terraria and I always right. want it. I, we also talked about um, what was the other one that we had talked about offline this week? That's a la Terraria Starbound. Oh, yep. Starbound. Yeah, yep. Starbound. We talked about that being kind of one of those like I, I, I've i beaten the story in Starbound, but I did that like right as 1.0 is released. And this actually had a ton of content dropped mm-hmm. on it since then and mm-hmm. you've never beaten the story but we mm-hmm. both pre-ordered that game while it was still in development like just to support them and yeah. it it's it's one of those that we've both always wanted to hook us in a way in that you know enchanting way but just it's, and it's a great game it does it's not by it's not nothing about the game is like i don't want to do that it's just it just doesn't have the same hook for some reason i don't know why I don't know why either. I honestly, I mean, I think that to some extent it's just, um, for me at least it's, it's with Starbound. I think it's a bit of, uh, um, fatigue with that genre, which that's a little broad because it, you know, Terraria and Starbound are very similar. Right. I don't know if it, how fair it is to say that those games are similar to Ark or space engineers, right? right? They're, right. they're not, but they kind of are like, honestly, the last few times I've tried to play Starbound, what happens is I get in and I'm like, yep, this is really cool. I'm going to love it. And then you get on the ground, you get, you, you, you land on your first planet or whatever. And you have like a little space tool that allows you to remove blocks. Right. But it's not as fast as like a pickaxe. Mm-hmm. So one of the very first things that you are tasked with doing is going and finding copper to make a pickaxe. Yep. And it just, it loses me every time. And it's not, that's, it's not poor design. That's how, again, no, and like, and it gets, it's not very long before you get no. to something that is better than that. Like it's literally just to kind of teach you the mechanics of the game. And in an hour you get better space tools and whatever. Right. That's what I mean is that it's not a, it's not a valid complaint. It's just that for whatever reason, um, yeah, when I hit that, I just kind of, I just kind of get stuck. And with Destiny, Destiny is interesting because it's like, you know, so it's made by by Bungie, right? And like Halo single player campaigns are are very epic in scale and some really engaging, I think, single player shooter campaigns. Um, and they bring all of that to bear in Destiny. It's almost like with Destiny that in destiny two specifically, I haven't actually played the first one, but, but it's almost like it, 
it achieves a like it really brings this epic story and these epic scenes and these epic characters and stakes and everything and then all of it is resolved within a matter of of like a few hours like i just picked up the newest campaign the newest expansion shadow keep i believe it's called and i got through the storyline of that in literally like 5 hours hmm. and it feels so compelling like it creates there's like the, the different scenes and stuff that you run around and see are so cool like uh, there was this one cut scene and honestly i have no idea what it means because the stories i find confusing but <laughs> like there's this scene where there's it looks like a metal uh like table but then this this chick puts her hand on the table and her hand like depresses into it as if the metal is actually liquid, right? Yeah. yeah. And she's holding this orb of light in her other hand. And when she presses her hand onto the metal table and it goes into the like, again, the liquid kind of state, the orb of light in her other hand then gets covered in these like metallic kind of scales. Oh, okay. That look kind of like almost like an armor or something like it's absorbing the metal kind of thing i yeah and then she takes her hand off of it and the metal goes away and the orb of light is just there again uncovered <laughs> now and it's like it it's just really visually satisfying cool looking things like that and i don't have some greater significance because again i don't actually right. know what to mean but it's just like uh, for example, I recently, and I've told you about this off, off air, but I recently started watching this sci-fi show called The Expanse, which is hugely popular. And it's a really compelling story and, and has, a, you know, has good characters and all of that stuff. But part of what I like about it, too, is just the cool visual stuff that you get. Right. Because it's a sci-fi show that mm -hmm. you don't get in almost anything else. And a future space age sci-fi show, you know. Right. Not the X-Files or something. Um so yeah, I don't know. So with Destiny, it's like it's got all this stuff that I find really compelling, and I mean, I've gone back to it multiple times over the years, and it's it's got a lot of really good stuff going for it. It just, I don't know, it just fails to to truly grab me. But I'm not done with it yet. I'm gonna keep going and see if I can find those hooks or, or right. if I can discover because <laughs> clearly it's popular. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's been thriving since it came out. Um. And people would walk away if it wasn't good. Right, yeah. The anthem, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, you know, like, we played Borderlands in the fall of, of 2019, and, and people compare it to Destiny. And I think we talked about it comparing to Destiny a little bit. And it is, they're just very, like, I, I don't think that, that those comparisons really line up that much, because... Other than it's a looter shooter-ish... Yeah, but even that's kind of not really the well, and it's just the design is so completely different between an MMO and a more or less single player slash low, like low co op, like four player. Mm -hmm. it, you just the even though it is a looter shooter, the way loot is distributed, the power scaling, the way the game is played because of that, the feelings that you get because of your skills and your levels and whatever, it, you just it's it's comparable yeah but it's as comparable as saying that uh, destiny 3 is diablo 3 in space i mean that's probably just an equal three equal comparison between them which means to say it's not right right yeah it's uh they're very different very different experiences i do think that the division and and destiny are more in line as far as their overall design philosophies 
but they're both designed to be they they try and shy away from the, the term MMO and instead say think like shared world experience. Right. Like that. Um but anyway, yeah. Uh, so that's that's what I've been playing mostly is uh is is yeah, some Destiny and some WoW. Uh I feel like there's something else in there that I messed around with that's not jumping to my mind right this second. So if I think of it, I'll bring it up. But that's fair. Uh, yeah, what have you been playing? So as you know, you got me hooked on a new game, and uh, you had an extra copy. Again, I think it was a, a humble bundle sort of scenario, which I love the amount of humble bundles that you already have games in because it means that there's extra copies available. <laughs> this is correct. Uh, and that is Graveyard Keeper. Mm. And you had played through Graveyard Keeper um, sometime back. I'm not sure if we did too much of that on, on the podcast or if that was kind of before that time, but but you had played through that a, a fair bit. I'm not sure if how much time you put into that game. Um, but yeah, I, I I have kind of sucked myself in. It's uh, or it sucked me in. It's a uh, definitely plays in a lot of ways like uh, a Stardew Valley, but. Again, it's kind of – it's not – I guess it's a, a much closer comparison to Stardew Valley than something like Destiny is to Borderlands. But it still has a lot of its differences in almost every way from you know the art style, the tone of the game, and a lot of the mechanics. While they feel similar, function in completely different ways in every other side. Um, things like uh, there's no seasons in Graveyard Keeper. Um, and while there is like a town and NPCs and quests and all of that is similar to the way that like Stardew does it in meeting different people and, in, and influencing them by having like a really, not a relationship bar, but like a, their happiness meter or whatever, some meter that you influence, you know, through buying and selling or performing quests with, it's a lot less, I guess, there's a lot less management to it because, of a few things that graveyard keeper does that are just kind of break out from the system. Like you can, you have an energy bar, but when that energy bar runs out, you can still walk around and talk to people and carry things and move items out of inventory. So you just can't perform tasks like creating items or, or chopping down trees or something. And, and on top of that, the sleep system, there's a full day night cycle and you can go to sleep anytime you can sleep for however long you want and wake up at any time, which means that, that you, can, you can perform tasks whenever you want to and however much you want to without some kind of like you're going to pass out penalty. And, and without the seasons, there are certain characters that only are available or do certain things on certain days of the week. But it's a lot easier to manage that than to also manage – what month it is, what season it is, what event, like, like there are a lot of, and there's really cool things to do in Stardew Valley that, that are fun because of that. But it also is just another layer of almost like anxiety. Like I have to grow these crops to get things ready for this season's event so that I can try to win a dance or whatever. And there's a year that's going to be before I get to that again. And in Graveyard Keeper, you just like, there's one important day of the week, which is the day that you can give your sermon in the church once you've unlocked that. And outside of that, it's you can do things in any order you want and however often you want. And it's there's not there doesn't feel like there's that 
that pressure of getting something done in a certain order in the same way that, that there is in Stardew. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I mean, so, so Stardew is basically a clone of Harvest Moon, which I didn't actually realize how one-to-one it is with Harvest Moon until I had to house it for my mom and I downloaded an SNES emulator and a ROM of Harvest Moon from SNES because I knew it was supposed to be comparable. And I was like, Oh, this will be fun. It's, it's remarkably similar. Now there, it diverges as you explore the game more. Right. Um, like there's not the little magical creatures that help you repair the village or whatever, mm-hmm. or the, the Juju Mart or whatever that's in Stardew Valley. I don't think those things are in Harvest Moon, at least not that I am familiar with. Um, and, and some of the townspeople of course differ, but a lot of the way it plays is very similar. So on the one hand, Stardew Valley is not actually that profound because it's largely borrowing from something that's existed for, you know, 30 years now or something. Um, But Stardew Valley was the first time I ever played a game like that. Right. I never got into any of the Animal Crossings or anything either, which are also derivative of that style of game. Yeah. Yeah. I think that so I have Animal Crossing on my 3DS um and played it for a while it is actually i think even more um there's there's even more patience and waiting required in it because you actually just have to wait for the real time day right what i i think i was there an animal crossing on the gamecube Mm -hmm. okay because i feel like i've played it but i didn't own it so i feel like that must have been uh back when i worked at the movie rental place and was able to just get uh, games for free. Uh, right. I think I quote unquote rented it a couple of times and, yeah. and played some of it, but was never hooked. I was also in my teenage shoot 'em up years. So, right. Right. Um, but yeah, so when I played, so Stardew Valley blew me away. I, I, it's one of my favorite experiences I've had in gaming. Um, and I think that graveyard keeper accomplishes something similar. Like you were saying, I think that you're right that it has a little bit less less of a pressure feeling to it in the way that, that Stardew does. However, in Stardew, and one of the things I like about Stardew is that that's entirely self-imposed to some extent, right? Like, if you don't upgrade your farm enough to win the dance this year, there's not really a penalty, right? Like yeah, there's could... not a penalty, but you do, other than having to wait a whole year yes. to get there again. Yes, that that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, and and I think that it's also like we talked like we we talked about before when discussing these two games. Like Graveyard Keeper is also different in Stardew in that in Stardew the primary way that you generate income is by farming, and you can farm your entire land that you get. I mean, you can build barns and chicken coops and that kind of stuff. Right. You don't have to. You could make all of it crops if you wanted. Um, and that's the, the, the best way to make money is either by selling crops or derivatives of them, like the wines and the cheese orchards. And stuff, yeah. Right. Um, whereas in graveyard keeper, there's not really that same emphasis on farming. Like you get farms, but they're like specific plots of land. Right. It's a everywhere. smaller area, uh, off to one side. And when you sell the crops, they don't sell for nearly as much. No. And you can farm. make derivatives, but those and those can sell but another thing that it does is that each shopkeep wants certain things and will only buy certain things and has a certain amount of money 
Mm. So like at the bottom, they just have like seven gold or seven silver and 10 copper at level two relationship status. So you can only sell so much a day to them. So Mm. uh, again, in Stardew, you can, you know, farm your whole land and sell all of it in one day and make a million gold in one day or something. And you just can't do that in, in Graveyard Keeper. Right, right, right. Yeah, because yeah, because in Stardew you're selling to this box, mm-hmm. just anything, right? Um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, the, the tone of Graveyard Keeper is a lot darker, which I found um, pretty interesting actually, because Animal Crossing, like you mentioned, and Stardew and Harvest Moon, like they're all very chipper, cutesy, you know, whimsical kind of things, right? Which I adore. Yeah, so there's nothing wrong with that, but it was interesting to see kind of a dark theme applied. I was almost off put within the first like 10 minutes. Really? Yeah. Cause like it, maybe it was for kind of double reasons. So one, I had told you like I'd played through the first maybe 10 minutes of the game and then had decided to quit. Had I was very tired and had something else going on or whatever and came back to it the next day and had to start a new game because I didn't know how the saving mechanics worked. Nothing right. told me, and I just assumed everything autosaves nowadays, so whatever, I just picked right back up from there. It's not the case. It is better, it is like Stardew in that it only saves when you sleep, but again, unlike Stardew, you can sleep anytime for however long you want. So you can sleep literally for five seconds and then wake yourself up and then you get a save. And so like that's a lot, I think, is a lot more appropriate mechanic because one of the things that did bother me about Stardew is as long as it did suck me in for long periods of time, if anything happens, dinner's ready, a phone call, somebody's at the door or whatever, I can't just quit. I have to like pause the game and then come back and make sure I get to the end of a day to go to sleep to save what I'm doing. And it's like – or – and it not, again, not that it punishes you for not, but – if there is that stress of I'm trying to get to the certain festival by the certain time, every minute is important. Mm-hmm. And and so Graveyard Keeper not doing that made it a lot easier. But it, it was kind of frustrating my, I guess, second attempt to play it through. Right. But the other thing was that was kind of threw me off off to the side a bit was just like I I knew that it was like, okay, I've got, you know, I'm the gravekeeper and whatever. But then I had to autopsy a corpse. And, like, I threw it on a table, and then I did work to, like, surgically extract some stuff from it. And they're like, oh, yeah, extract the meat and the skin. I'm like, oh, this is what? Like, (laughs) and my little dude's just working on it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, now go cook the meat into a steak. And I'm like, I'm not a cannibal. Like, what's going on? What? Right. And But once you kind of, like, get over that, it, it, it... there is a lot of charm that's brought back to it. And it's not a dark game in the sense that like a dead space is it's, it's just darkly themed, but it still has a lot of the charm of any of the other style of games just in a different way. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still chock full of what I would call dad humor, right? Right. Yeah. It's still punny and silly and doesn't take itself that seriously while at the same time all of the experiences you just stated are also present right um whereas like in stardew there's not a butcher shop right like some people think there should be because you have chickens and cows and you can sell eggs and milk but you can't sell the meat but it would really kind of it get gruesome if there was a factory that had saws coming out of the top of it (laughs) or even if you just had to like take the animal out and do it yourself right it's just like (laughs) 
uh, I named it. I don't. I've petted it every day for months. Like I can't do this. Right. I've petted it to get its hearts up. Yeah. Yeah. Build its trust in me. Like instead, you need to feed it a ton of grain, and it gets grotesquely fat. And you have to throw away all the boy chickens. And (laughs) so the other thing that Graveyard Keeper does that that Stardew doesn't is it has a lot of intermediate steps for creating things that you the player have to do so like in stardew yeah you have to take a grape and put it in the cask or whatever to make wine but you literally drop the grape in and walk away and And it just bobbles up and down yeah until right and in graveyard keeper like you have to chop a log down and then take it to a saw and then buzz those into boards and then you can build something with them. Right. Or you have to chop it into, you have to buzz it into like not even boards, but just the end caps, then take those to the firewood station and chop yeah. them into firewood and use that to, because you can't just fuel the furnace with quote unquote wood. It mm-hmm. has to be like firewood. And yeah, there are a lot of little intermediate steps to, to crafting anything. Right. Which at first I found a bit surprising. Um, and I was kind of like, it's it's strange to me that they would have this many <laughs> little steps for you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because, and what I think is the, the 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 real unique hook of the game, it allows you to become a necromancer, basically. Right. And create all your own zombies. And then you can assign those zombies to those workstations mm-hmm. to automatically compete, complete those tasks. So then you can just put in orders basically. Well, yeah. And then there are also like infinite resources to, cause I mean, not that there aren't infinite resources in the, in the same way, like Stardew, the, the trees will respawn or whatever, but there's just a spot where if you build a sawmill, you can assign a zombie to the sawmill and it will produce infinite logs Right. And you don't have, you have to give it an axe and you have to put it in and make the sawmill, but then it's just, we'll chop wood forever. And depending on the, how good the zombie is, like Mm -hmm. it's, you can grade them and get them better by embalming them or doing different things, um, is how fast it works. And then, yeah. And then it just sits there and works and you can like, I, so you start with one zombie once you unlock that part of the story and, yeah, it just – at first I was like, well, he's only chopping wood. I've got to still grab all the logs and run them down. Realized that I could just pick the zombie up, which is adorable because you like throw them over your shoulder and they don't they don't <laughs> wiggle or anything. They're just a zombie on your shoulder and you plop them down wherever. And so I took him from the woodcutting side and plopped him into the like transporting side. And yeah, he just straps like two logs on his back and shambles around. But like not like at a run, but not a walk. It's like a shambling – yogger you know and his arms are kind of forward and he wiggles around it's adorable and yeah he just shuffles logs over to my house now i'm like cool right. he's there's like 20 logs for him to move he's gonna do that for a while whatever yep so yeah it kind of i mean it's not factorio because you don't have to really design a logistic system in the same way but, right but it kind of gives that feeling like i love it, it's funny like that's one of my favorite things in all of gaming which i think speaks to my inherent laziness <laughs> is that in a digital virtual experience that no matter how quote unquote hard something is, ultimately it's through the input of my fingers, clicking the mouse or keyboard, right. Right. Or controller or whatever. Um, But if I can set up a mechanic where something else does the work for me, I love it. I couldn't love it more. Well, and yeah, and you do get to like chain things together. Like if you make more zombies, which I'm getting close to doing, there are a lot of, there are, 
like any of these other games, there's a zillion tasks. Graveyard Keeper allows you to tackle them just in whatever order you want, which is both good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the part of that that I'm kind of hitting is that like that automation is still a ways out for me because I need two or three zombies to have one chopping wood, one ferrying it to my woodcutting area, and then another one making it into planks or logs or whatever so that another one can turn it into refined pieces to build stuff with or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely, it, it has that. I mean, and I, again, I'll tie it to an MMO like I do every week. Um, that's my favorite class in MMOs is a pet class. Anything where I can, like, where I can make the pet go fight and I don't have to do anything, love it. Why? I don't know. I, so, again, <laughs> some weird petty desire to not do things and, and have minions. I don't have children, so maybe if I had kids, I would, you know. You would, would just task them with, like, you'd feel, get that enjoyment from, like, go take out the trash. And yeah, then, like, and then... well, would I, would I Russian doll it and, like, have my child play an MMO character that has a pet class and that I am ultimately <laughs> dictating to, like, <laughs> like oh. used to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can become a granddad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And my grandchildren, all right, I'll stop. But anyway, oh. um, but yeah, no, I, so I, I think the Graveyard Keeper, though, is, I mean, like I said, Stardew Valley totally blew me away. And I think the Graveyard Keeper is an interesting take on that genre that is, it, like, so like I've also played my time in Porsche. Right. Um, which I didn't finish it, so I can't speak to exactly where it goes. Um, and it's different than Stardew Valley because it's a different, totally different art, totally different camera really kind of different objectives, but it's also still that you're someone who's thrown away their existing life. You as the character to go move to this plot of land that your family left you to then rebuild up the family business. Right. It was basically the plot of Stardew. Um, so yeah, I thought it was really interesting to see graveyard keeper, just be a complete departure from all of the, Hey, right. You know. And there's a lot of depth to it too. There's a, I I tweeted a couple of times recently about how one of the things that you get later on is like these blue research points, and they're for like spiritual research. And and the whole skill tree is kind of you get points by doing things. So like if you farm, you get green points. If you build things, you get red points. And if you study, you get blue points. Mm-hmm. And but the studying is actually kind of hard to do in the early game because there's not a lot to study, and it requires the faith resource which requires you to hold sermons those only happen once a week and you don't get a lot from them um but i also didn't realize how many blue points you could get from doing certain things so i was kind of banking up my faith because i thought i was going to rush getting another zombie which needed like 10 faith right and doing research took like three to five and i realized i had like 19 faith because of course i've been doing tons of things and not rushing the one thing that I'm trying to do because there's always a distraction and I get <laughs> super ADD with that stuff. Yep. Um, but it, I, I realized, I was like, well, let me go try to study a couple of things because I, I only need to keep 10 of the faith, right? Because <clears throat> I'm going to make a zombie today, which isn't happening because I even need, I need the faith to like on the blue points to unlock all the things to make the zombie. So I just, that was the actual progression anyway. And I was holding out on myself. And because I'm a hoarder and I don't want to spend any of my resources, Mm -hmm. but I went in and studied like three things and spent like six of my faith. 
and ended up having like 150 blue points and most things only take like 10 or 20 to unlock and it's just like oh i could have made i could have been making stair step progress and instead i sat there and unlocked like 10 skills and then forgot everything that i unlocked because i unlocked too much and didn't know what any of it did mm-hmm. <laughs> so i just make these giant jumps in leveling instead of like a nice progressive leveling system where i unlock one thing and use it and enjoy it so i i had one of those moments <laughs> well but then so if i remember correctly though it so I remember getting a glut of blue points. Now it's been several months since I've played, but I remember getting like this glut of blue points and being in kind of a similar position where I was like, Oh, this is great. And then it being really hard to build that bank back up again. Yeah. I mean, there's still, so the things that you study, you can only study one time Mm. and there are some things you can do that are, I guess like radiant tasks to get blue points in for lack of better terms you could do the same thing over and over to get them you don't get many when you do it and the game does not tell you what will do that for you so like there's a the thing one of the things you could craft in the medium early game is stone fences for the graveyard because one of the things that you do is you want to make the graveyard look nice and make Mm -hmm. the church look nice so that prayers you know give you more faith and and yada yada and the stone fences, when you craft them, give you red points and blue points um, because it's a crafting thing, but also because it's a spirit thing. But none of the other fences or gravestones or anything give you any of those blue points. So it's the, the, my only complaint with Graveyard Keeper is kind of related to this, and, and that is just that the game does not tell you how to play it very well. Mm-hmm. And that's not a killer for me because you know, we've talked about wiki games in the past like Minecraft and Terraria and all of these things where you just have the wiki open while you play but and even Stardew but it, it just seems like it's more than that that it doesn't tell you because like sure if I want to know a crafting recipe yeah let me go find that but it, knowing like which items give blue points and which don't it should just be on the tooltip like or something, I, I, or at least be a little bit more obvious, like all of those items give you a blue point. Maybe you only get one from the small ones and five from the big ones or whatever, but it just doesn't seem, and, and all of it's, even in its quests and stuff, like you can open the quest trade menu or the quest log menu for all of the NPCs, and it tells you what people, what NPCs want what, right? So like I have a quest to deliver uh, wine to the skull, who's like this disembodied laughing skull guy. And I was like, cool. I opened up my quest menu, said give him a wine. Cool. Went and bought a wine, bought the cheapest one that I could find from the merchant because I didn't have a great press yet to make it myself. Brought it back to him. And when I brought it to him, it actually had, oh, it needs to be a silver quality. And like, but that's mm. not in the NPC menu. And same way with like bring the the weird dude honey. Okay, I got one honey. I bring it to him. He's like, oh, I need five. And it's like, just put it in the NPC menu. Like, just tell me what I need to do or give me some system to remember things like to, that I can jot down things by, you know? Yeah. Or just an, well, just a quest journal, right? Right. I mean, that's how most games take care and of it, that. And it has like, a quest journal, but it's vague. Right. And like, I get where like the story quests, they want to keep things vague, like discover a way to open the portal. Okay, cool. That's a story thing. That's going to take a long time to do. Uh, fine i don't need to know exactly how to do it but if it is bring the dude honey 
there's no difference in telling me to bring him five honey, you know, because it, it, you walk all the way across town to get there, and then you're like, oh, I have to walk all the way back now, and it, then back again, and then back, back again. again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, it's not it's not the same thing because it's it's not a lack of telling you what you need, but I think that there's something to be said for a game generating frustration um, <laughs> through like what should be a non-existent problem. Like, so w- I said that in kind of a confusing way. What I, what it makes me think of though, even though it's different is no man's sky, because the reason that I don't play no man's sky is nothing to do with the content. It's nothing to do with how the game actually plays and like a sense of what you were trying to go and do in the, in the game but I can't handle that UI. The UI for No Man's Sky breaks me. Um, yep. And and again, it's different because it's not a UI problem in the same way, but right. it's like... It's I just only... a problem that should have been playtested out. Because yeah. it shouldn't really... And, and maybe that's too much to say. I, I'm, you know, We've seen some game dev. We've been kind of close to a little bit of it, but it's also totally different to be in those shoes and maybe you have to get the game out early because you may not pay rent next month if you don't or or whatever so there's any number of reasons why it could be that way but it no i'm with you though it doesn't it doesn't reduce the frustration of um of walking all the way across town and then having to walk all the way back and all the way back and all the like that's that's not the fun part of the game right right? the fun part of the game is i got the stuff i needed now let's move forward in the quest right now i want to unlock that Mm -hmm. not how good am I at memorizing arbitrary or numbers. just having it like we had kind of talked about. It's not missed. It's not a puzzle game where I don't know if those numbers are important. So I want to play with a journal to write them down and where I was and whatever, uh, or even yeah. like a, like a, a project Gorgon where it gives you an in-game journal to write stuff down in. It's not that. Well, and I think, I think part of the problem is that it's almost kind of a half step because like if you go, you know, if you look at Terraria, for example, like good luck figuring out how to summon the wall of flesh just by playing the game. Right. Good luck. I mean, you have more luck at that than you do in breeding animals in in uh, Minecraft just because the demons fly over the lava that carry the doll. So okay. if you kill one, it can drop and you can summon the wall of flesh accidentally. Which had happened. OK, that's fair. That's fair. Um but but yeah, like uh, so I, I but yeah, I like do agree. Point, like yeah, I think I think my point is though that like a game like Terraria or Minecraft just doesn't tell you anything really. So y- you have to go wiki if you're going to figure it out, and you just accept. I don't mean you personally, right? Right, has to accept that. Whereas in this, it doesn't force you to live on the wiki because they do have NPCs that give you quests, and they mm-hmm. do have things in the game, and there's a tracker. You- to tell you what they what they've you're sent on, right? But then they don't just fully realize it, and so then it still turns out that you do need to go to the wiki. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's frustrating because it, it it's like again, it's almost like a half measure. Yeah. It's like, well, why is this in here at all? Like, either do it or don't. But this half step is confusing. Well, and it, there's there's other things, and it it's that it's that half measure that's prevalent in several areas of the game that bothers me not enough to quit i love the game and have been 
Yeah. Not quite no lifing it because I've had some other projects that I'm working on, but it's been a pretty big focus of my game. I mean, it has replaced uh, um, Space Engineers for now. I'm still monitoring a Space Engineers, the Space Engineers server, but I kind of took a step back because I was, I was going too deep. And uh, so, so I love it, and I don't want to sit here and disparage the game, but it is that that slightly annoying half step that like there's something that I praise the game for, which is there's a sort of fast travel system where there's a basement to the house and you can like, there's some crumbled walls. And if you repair them or clear the junk out, you can then go to another area of this kind of sewer system underground tunnel network. And it takes you into the town from your house, which is normally a really long walk. And the basement, it's like a two screen width walk and the, and the outside world map, it's like a five or 10 screen walk. Right. So mm. it's it's not like to scale or anything, but it gives you that feeling like, oh, I have an underground tunnel. It's a shortcut. It brings me to town. I love it. There's a shortcut that brings you from your house to the morgue and from your house to the church, but it's actually faster to walk outside of your house and down to the morgue than it is to go all the way around the basement that cycles around to get to the area that's the morgue. Mm-hmm. And it's like – but. Why? Like I get that I get that I don't want the tunnel to be five screens of tunnel to get me to town because it's more boring than it would be to walk past the farms and the NPCs and the day and the night and the guards and whatever. So that's cool that that's a fast travel while not being just selecting a point on a map. Like I think that's kind of an ingenious way to make a, fa- a quote unquote fast travel system without being a mount or a map location. Mm-hmm. But then make it a fast travel system to the morgue by just connecting the basement to the morgue. Like, like make it a straight line instead of making it this, this spiral that I have to walk around to get there. Mm-hmm. It, it's just kind of it, – it is like – like you said, it's that half measure. It's like you did it and you had this amazing – it is an amazing thing to get to town with. But if I'm going to the morgue, it's not. I'd rather just get outside of my house. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's definitely not, you know, it's not a perfect game. It's not without its flaws. Um, but I do think that it's a really, really interesting take on that kind of genre. And I don't even know if it, if, I mean, I don't, I, certainly they don't promote another game in their marketing materials. So they don't say anything about it being like Stardew. But I, like, I wonder if they thought that's what they were creating. Because to me, it was remarkable how parallel they are. Right. But... At the I, same time, there there's a lot of differences. There so is I, a like, lot I, of differences. I, I think too that it it's definitely has to be inspired by. Like they certainly never played or saw Stardew because there's too many. Like the fishing game is almost the exact same fishing game with an mm-hmm. added step, right? But they and a lot of things are improvements. Um, just the like the sleep mechanic, the saving mechanic, the fast travel mechanic. It, there are a lot of like the zombies and there's a lot of things that, that that are derivative but plus one like things that may have been frustrating in stardew are mm-hmm. improved upon here and made easier there's no seasons so you don't have to manage that time but it also and it it, it kind of adds to this timeless ethereal place that you're in too where mm-hmm. it's like everything is kind of stagnant and the same and mysterious and and i love it and it, it's just like – so it, I think it has to be derivative, but I don't think they were also out to clone it either. It's not just no. dark Stardew Valley. No, it's it's certainly not. I, I would say I would give advice to any listener that, that I gave to another friend of mine who actually played Graveyard Keeper first 
which is if you're if you're going if you've played one of the other I would not play, like if you've played Stardew I wouldn't play Graveyard Keeper for literally like 6 months. And the reason I say that is just give yourself enough time to forget exactly all of the nuances of of Stardew before you pick up Graveyard Keeper or vice versa simply because they are similar enough that if you're if you're really intimately familiar with the nuance you'll find yourself frustrated i think and like well why doesn't this work that way right why, why isn't it just way? more of the same it's not a sequel it's not made by the same company right um but if you give yourself some space to kind of you know obviously you're not going to forget it entirely but like more loosely remember how things worked mm-hmm. i think it'll be less frustrating to 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 jump into for sure and or if you you know if you felt like you didn't want to play Stardew because it was too kidsy or whatever. Give there's there's a live witch burning in Graveyard Keeper, and you're encouraged <laughs> to bring firewood and flyers for the next one. Uh, but the flyers, yeah. the first flyers you can make are literally just a stick figure with a happy face on it, and that's <laughs> a flyer. <laughs> and so it's right. like. It, it's got its charm, but it's also it's it's a charmful dark. Like the witch doesn't scream and explode into blood or anything like that. But there is there is dark things to it without it being grotesque. I guess it's strangely yeah. like uh, cartoony intestines that you remove during an autopsy are somehow not nearly as bad as. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, well, and like you said, I mean, it, it doesn't. It, you know, it doesn't turn. It, it's not. It doesn't explore that darkness. Right. It's not a horror game. Right. It's more like a. I guess like a Lovecraft. Not. It's not even a Lovecraftian. It's just. It, it's. It's a dark game without being horrific. Right. It's not right. trying to make you squirm or jump scare you or have. Well, and nor is it trying to like, like try and make some statement about like the profoundness of death and right. like, like be this like Azrael, the Prince of Darkness that, you know, it's, it's a, not... it is very much so a video game. Yes. Like, and yeah. it portrays itself that like you get, you want to make the corpses better because then you get better zombies and better zombies aren't better for Cup taking, you're not, you're not <laughs> taking over the town with your zombie horde. You're right. making, cute zombies so that they can shamble around and look goofy and bring you wood and stone right (laughs) yeah no agreed agreed um well i have something else but do we have anything do you have anything else on graveyard keeper no i mean it's it's a great game i definitely am i'm eager because there there is a lot of depth to the game that i have yet to explore one of the problems with it being a wiki game is i'm trying to be very careful of not reading too much about something when yep. I just need, I just need to know what, how do I, like, like, can I, I had mentioned there's a spot where there's this, this swamp and you have to navigate through this big spiral to get to the center of the swamp, but there, you can craft a bridge to get back. But if you don't have the materials to craft it, you can't get back that way. And you can't, you only know the materials when you look at the sign to craft the bridge. And you can't look at that sign from the other side, which is literally the entrance to the swamp. So I didn't have the materials. I left. I went and did a whole bunch of other things. I didn't write it down what I needed. And I was like, I need, I want to, I want to go fix that. I can fix that now. And I want to go back to the swamp. I know that I have to walk through the whole spiral to get to the sign, but I'm not doing that just so like go to the wiki, find out what it takes, 
bring those items with me so that I can right. do this the right way. But I I wanted to be careful because I'm like, I don't want to see the entire wiki entry for what's in the swamp and who are the related quests and what are the secret items and where are the Easter eggs and how it evolves or whatever. I just want to see that piece because I don't want to spoil it. And And I've seen pieces of the game where like spoiler alert there's like five levels of church that you can get Mm -hmm. and i didn't know that i knew i was going to improve the church and that relays to the fact that there is a lot of depth to the game that i have yet to explore and there's a lot of hours i'm not i'm nowhere near putting in the same amount of time i think it probably has the same amount of play time as a three-year run of stardew valley maybe not quite um but it it has a lot of depth to it that i've yet to explore and i'm excited to but i have to be careful not to spoil it for myself because the wiki yeah if you wiki the church because you just want to know where you can put sconces because it's not showing you and then it tells you there's five levels of church Yeah, that may not be a big deal because it just says, oh, there's a lot more gameplay, but it could also be some quest that somebody gives you for a certain thing or some – I don't want to ruin the enchantment of finding some rare item just because I know that I'm supposed to go get it now. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean I I, I struggle with spoilers because they're so hard to avoid um, and it's so hard to talk about. I mean technically saying that you can unlock zombies maybe spoiled something, right? And it's like, but if you can't say that, then you just can't talk about it at all. But then what happens is that now we just have to hope that people go try it on their own without any knowledge about what it might offer. Right. And the, the likelihood of that is small too, right? So it, 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 it's, but like, for example, what you're talking about does resonate with me because like my favorite way to watch a movie, for example, is to have zero idea what that movie is going to be right i have more trailers yeah right um or like the game that we talked about within the last month or so gree oh yeah i didn't know anything about it i I didn't look up anything i i just i just saw the art on steam like the cover art if you will basically and a good buddy of mine said just trust me just play it right i was like okay and i did but it's like that's only because the recommendation came from someone who i take very seriously the recommendations and he doesn't recommend stuff all the time. Right. right? So it's going to be serious <laughs> for it to be. So it's like, okay, fine. Like, I'll trust it. But if every other day he had a new thing for me to try and couldn't spoil anything, then I probably don't try everything. Right. right? So, um, so now I think there's, there's. Well, there's, and it's there's, one of those things where, like, there are games, like, Green is a game that if you watch a YouTube video of it and get sucked into watching the YouTube video of it, you'll just see the whole game and won't want to play it. Mm-hmm. And, and like there are games that longer games like maybe even a graveyard keeper or a stardew or something i can jump into a stream that's halfway through the game or whatever but there's so much going on and i know so little about it that by the time that i get to the point where i'm like i want to play this which is usually caused by i can do this better than you <laughs> mm-hmm. um that I'll, I won't know where they were or what was going on. Or even if I saw the first half an hour or something, there's a hundred hours of gameplay. So I'm not right. missing too much. Um, that that doesn't feel very spoilery. But in something like Agree, yeah, if, if you go watch somebody do a Let's Play and you watch half an hour of it before you decide you want to buy it, 
that's just a quarter of the game. Right. And yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the reason that Stardew and Graveyard Keeper are both enjoyable and not that these are the only games that offer this, but I think they offer a, 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 a fun space to feel um, to feel like you're progressing in a game and like unlocking new stuff and seeing new stuff and whatever without the pressure of failure mechanics. Right. But there's there's really a lot to uncover. So like Gree doesn't have failure mechanics, but Gree also is I mean, I don't think you could get ten hours of it out of it. Right. Even if you did every last all of G. the challenges, yeah. Right. Um but in something like Graveyard Keeper or Stardew Valley, like you can get a ton of of gameplay out of it. I and... just today realized I, I went exploring because I like why not? I met mm-hmm. like six NPCs that I didn't know existed, and I've easily got maybe 20, 30 hours of gameplay already. And right. I've met six six new NPCs and like a bunch of locations. And because mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't force you, it doesn't force you to learn anything, which is is okay in some ways. It's just when there's something to be learned, I wish it would tell me better. But yeah. I, I do like that it doesn't pressure you into a season or visiting on a specific day for a deal. Like there is a little of specific day stuff, but that is all in the NPC menu. It tells you what day they're there and there's only right. six days. And because you can sleep at any time, I'm not afraid to like, I'm just going to work through the night and then I'm going to say I'll use all my energy by morning time and then I'll go visit the NPC and sell stuff even without any energy and get their quest line and then I'll go back and sleep. Mm-hmm. And and it also like like one thing that we didn't really bring up is that the because there is automation later and because there's so much tedium in the early game, energy is a really rare resource. And because of that and money is too, you get money from tending the graveyard and you get a decent amount in the early game whereas selling things gets you almost nothing. But using things that you create gets you energy back. So like cooking, you're cooking to make food for yourself. Even the high quality food you want to keep because there's a lot of bonuses and perks that it will, that it does give you tooltips for, which I applaud it, that'll tell you like this makes your fishing better for five minutes or whatever and gives you 30 energy and 20 health. And, you know, maybe... And sell other things could be like five energy or something. So you want to craft the higher tier food and then eat it and keep it on your inventory and go dungeon delving with it. And I think that that's just that wanting making it a hard choice between crafting something to sell and crafting something to use, I think is is more fun, especially when the early game almost forces you to use it. Otherwise, you're sleeping every five minutes. And and so I kind of like that because it teaches you that it's okay to use these resources up. Yeah, well, I mean, so Stardew has similar food items, right? Like Stardew has items of, of food that you can create that that will um, not just heal you or give you more energy, but also give you buffs. The difference is, is that in Stardew, at least for me when I played it, but but that's the thing is that like the pressures of Stardew, again, like really are, they really are self-made. They like, are, there's a lot and of I think Graveyard is Stardew. the same way. Yeah. Well, because in Stardew, there's a lot of people that play it that play it to to manage their relationships. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they're into, so they don't care about trying to make as much money as possible. Right? They want to craft play... the high tier gift to give to someone. Right. Whereas I play Stardew, 
as a total min maxer where I'm trying to extract every last dime I can from every, I mean, I literally will, if I had enough money to plant one extra crop, I will do that. But I think the difference is in that Stardew, the first thing it teaches you is to sell a crop. And in Graveyard Keeper, the first thing it teaches you is to cook like a mushroom to get mushrooms on a stick to use for energy. Yeah, well, and I think, I guess, I I mean, I agree. I think, I guess my point is that I think it's even less about the way in which it's introduced and more about that in Graveyard Keeper, you just can't make very much money selling all your stuff. So even if you didn't cook any of it, there's not really a big upside. Whereas in Stardew, it's like, but if I sell it, I can buy two more seeds. Mm -hmm. And then on the next harvest, I'll have two more to harvest. Right. Oh, the exponential growth. So, but but I but again, I think you're correct. It's also the 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 design of the game emphasizes that maybe more. Right. Than, and then there is a point in selling stuff, and it's it, it's usually though it, it does still like you still want to craft and sell the highest tier stuff you can because that way you don't have to sell as much. Um, but it's it encourages variety because not every shopkeep has infinite money and each shopkeep will buy the things related to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it encourages you to not min max. I'm only going to fish for this one type of fish to cook this one type of meal to sell a ton of that or right. just farm all of one seed for you know, what, whatever it encourages that diversity, which I think is kind of cool. And it, because it's giving you, it gives you a lot for what you do. Um, it, it, it makes it more beneficial to like use the things that you have. So right. I like that a lot. Well, and in Stardew, you know, like while certainly you can go be an adventurer and go delving in the caves and, or you can go spend your time trying to mine ore, which also really mostly takes place in the caves. Um, really the game is about farming. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and yeah, it can be about relationships and stuff too, but ultimately Farming is the vehicle by which you're going to accomplish most of the stuff in the game. And Graveyard Keeper is not. Graveyard Keeper, you're a, a graveyard, you're a graveyard keeper. keeper. Yeah, and that's right. where the most – that's where you earn the most money. That's So yep. it's just – farming is not your beneficial income source until maybe way later when you automate right. it or something. So yeah, you earn – in an early game, it's the only way to get any significant money at all is by keeping the graveyard. Right. Yep, yep. Um, so yeah, so any, any other thoughts on Graveyard Keeper? No, no, it's a great game. Check it out. Agreed. Uh, obviously since I, immediately, <laughs> as soon as I got other copies, like, Hey, do you want this? Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the, the only other thing I wanted to bring up that's just kind of, uh, you know, you had talked about how you kind of took a step back from space engineers because you were almost like too invested in it. Mm-hmm. Right. And and, and you know, obviously our entire show is about gaming and why gaming matters. But I think that there is value sometimes in, in stepping away from gaming, even if it's, you know, like you're doing some some kind of hobby projects on your own that are not related to gaming in any way. Correct. Um, I have, in the last few weeks, not played as much games as I had been previously, uh, and not through some decision or something right. it's just kind of happened that way and that's given me time to watch some shows like i watched the witcher show which played the game first that's how i know about it um or like i said earlier i've been watching the expanse which is kind of like what if mass effect was a tv show right. kind of kind of um it's not exactly people who like either <laughs> one of those things so much and can't believe i would compare them um but what it's also done is it's allowed me more time to watch uh 
streams or or at least vods on youtube not right. not exclusively live streams and i know it's something that we've brought up and something we've talked about extensively but i just have to mention it again and that is the the starcraft 2 pro scene is popping off this year like oh, there I'm are so excited tournaments it is so cool Every and single I, I shouldn't week. say weekly tournament but i think it's a tournament that spans multiple weeks no it, well it's i think it is it's tournament entries like because i think through the week you can like rank into it and then on the weekend you apply into the tournament at whatever rank you're at um so any of any rank can participate in like the wcs challenge right but it's so good um there's a lot of streamers out there and a lot of people who do the casting brett and i have been very open about who we think you should (laughs) check out that's winter starcraft Uh, as much as I hope that obviously you'll spend a lot of your time listening to us. Once you're done with the podcast, <laughs> you should absolutely uh, check out winner. I don't really watch his live stream on Twitch that much, but that's just cause I'm, I'm just not a big Twitch. I actually just am not up as late as he is. <laughs> yeah. So I watch most of it on YouTube, but I mean, man, there are just, he just has, he has more pro matches than I can get through. Yeah. And so, especially now, like before yeah. it would, I would wait like, cause in the beginning, I watched a lot of the Bronze League Heroes stuff, and the Angry Coach is funny and good content. Mm-hmm. But then I started getting into just the pro matches. So maybe one or two a week, or maybe they were, uh, you know, something they threw together. Like Drickit would come in and, and get, do a, a show match where they're giving people a couple hundred bucks to play a game or whatever. But right. now we're getting these tournaments. And those would always, they'd be fun, but because they were more friendly matches, even if there was some money on the line... Sometimes you'd get some really crazy maneuvers because they didn't care. And sometimes you'd get some really crazy maneuvers because whatever. But a lot of times it was just kind of middle of the road. It was good pro match, but now you're getting tournament points. So every game is intense. And we're getting to see players that you don't normally see because they aren't. They're really good top tier grandmaster players. But because they aren't the winner of that tournament this year that's the game that everybody has on their cast. And now there's winners of weekly tournaments at different levels. Not everybody's participating in everyone. So it's like getting to see your, a, a much broader variety of your favorite players just all the time. Well, and, and the other thing that we're seeing is we're seeing, we're seeing games consistently from other regions. So previously, if you wanted to watch StarCraft on a weekly recurring basis, you basically had to go watch the GSL or the SSL out of Korea. Right which are great, um, but you only get the Korean players, which are, outside of now Serral being (laughs) at least one of the very best, most of the top players are Korean. Um, And and that's all great, but you're just not getting to see hardly anybody else outside of that. And the two people that cast the Korean League are, for English-speaking audiences, uh, tasteless and artosis. And I think honestly, they've just done it for too long. Right. Because, and they, into their credit, they do a ton of games every week. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, like winter, I don't, I don't know if winter is doing all of the games in a given weekend or if he's just doing select ones. I think he's mostly doing select ones. I think he checks out a lot of replays to check out his favorite players too. Yeah. But these guys, I mean, they're there because it's like an in-studio event mm-hmm. in Korea, and they're there in the studio live. And the, yeah, and the show starts at you know six p.m. and goes till one a.m. or whatever it is, and they're there casting literally every match. So 
to their credit, it's an enormous amount of work and I can understand how it, it could be hard to talk about some of the stuff sometimes. Say something new every time. Well, and also the Korean scene, like a lot of the, a lot of regions have a play style and the Korean st- like style of play, there's a lot of, like there is a Korean meta, right? And and so it can be difficult to even differentiate because you're just getting into the minutiae of how this certain build or whatever differs only ever so slightly from the exact same build that somebody else. Yeah. The thing though, that like winter does that I, that I think makes it so much more enjoyable, especially for someone like me who is never going to be a professional Mm -hmm. or even probably apparently even platinum level. Right. Maybe same. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't trust me. If I get platinum, that is my apex. Like that's, you know, so it's like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not that good. I enjoy it and I like watching it and I understand from a high level what's happening. But like in a winter game, in a winter cast game, I should say, not one where he's playing, but in a winter game, a cast game, you might see the, a Zerg player send two Zerglings across the map and he will begin to extrapolate what possible builds he anticipates right. from that. But to look at the screen, it's two Zerglings. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not that exciting. And it's, it's true that it's not but he will continue to be engaged and to try and engage the audience by sharing these kinds of things. Well, and I think he also does because he is, especially at least recently, he's selective with what he's casting. He's casting some of his favorite players that haven't been able to see for a while. Uh, Like I believe, was it Polt that was just returned from military service and came back to the game and talked about how he was really excited because Polt plays the game differently than the current meta for the matchup that he was in right and it's like that was and there a lot of the recent games that he's played or that he's casted and, and put up as vods have been unique games where it's like this isn't what you normally see in a pro match and i think that that's cool too that we're not just seeing okay it's a 2-1-1 versus this which means they're going to counter with that like it's always something different and and maybe it is a, a a meta build but it's played differently or something happens catastrophically and change you know players have to think on the fly and that's where the game is the most interesting but i mean dude you watch tasteless and artosis and you will literally at like the you know at two and a half minutes have a terran going to the enemy base setting a bunker up and and doing like a a, a bunker rush effectively on the natural of whatever their opponent is probably Zerg, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and Tasteless and Artosis are, are making the corniest jokes, not about the game. Yeah. Just about whatever it is that they're talking about. And I think it's because to them, they've just seen it so much that it's like, whatever, who cares? Right. Like, like oh, he defended the bunker rush. Okay, cool. Right. That but was like, expected. Yeah, but that's not engaging for me. Right. I want, I want you to tell me what's going on and why I should care and why it matters. And yeah, and again, I I, I, under, I can understand where they would be a bit worn down from it, maybe, but it's a way less enjoyable experience, I think, than someone like Winter who is engaged the whole time, is interested, and in, in again, and even if to... he goes off on a story, it's usually related in some way, and then he'll catch the point where something does happen. He'll either like call himself out and he's like well i just missed the fact that that reaper died which is a huge loss for the first one but and then he's right back into it being engaged or he'll be joking about how like 
oh, we're going to see this build. It's going to happen in five seconds. They're going to put it. Oh, it's a battle cruiser. Who would have thought? Like, and, right. and that's fun, too, because he's engaging in that part of it. Because the first couple of minutes are generally the same for a lot of games. They are, but I really don't care about what Tastosis thinks is fun. <laughs> Correct. And uh, unless it's going to be about I don't, the game. And I, it could just be that I don't match their their type of humor. I did like Day 9 for a long time, so and I did like his humor for a long time. I don't anymore. Um, but Day 9 is... So Day 9 is Tasteless's brother. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I thought that's why you brought it up. That's no. funny. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, day nine is Sean Plot. Okay, and his, yeah. his tasteless is Nick Plot. Gotcha. Um, so day nine is actually, like, day nine's name actually should be Tastosis because Artosis, which is the other half of, of that combo in Korea, Artosis is actually a very, like, serious StarCraft nerd right. who knows an enormous amount well, of stuff. Well, he still plays Brood War, doesn't he? I probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's analytical enough that he could do what winter does. Right. Tasteless. I'm sure he has to know cause he's watched too much of it to not know. But when you watch it, it's, he's kind of like the John Madden, which maybe that doesn't make sense if people aren't familiar with that, but like, it's just the whole time you're just kind of like, do you know what you're talking about? Like, are, do you actually know? Did you want to be a stand up comedian or did you want to be a caster? <laughs> Right. And that's why I say that really day nine is like a perfect blend of the two of them because day nine has the really nerdy, super hardcore in-depth knowledge of Starcraft that he can speak to in that way. But he's more charming and funny than Artosis is. Whereas Tasteless is charming and funny, but otherwise seems kind of dumb. Whereas day nine kind of, well, yeah, yeah. Day nine will get serious when things get serious. He'll shut the jokes down and start getting into commentator mode. And, and that's what I did like about him, you know, in the past, but. Right. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to segue a bit and say, uh, get out there and watch some Starcraft too, especially winter vids. You can find him on YouTube, winter Starcraft. Um, it's just, it's really engaging content. The matches are awesome. There's so many pro matches now. And like Brett said, they're all, they're all really competitive. Um, which is, is, is something that's awesome to see. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be all for our episode today. Please join the discussion by tweeting your thoughts to us at P U Y S pod. We'd also love to discuss your interesting ideas, uh, and, and episodes. So beyond just talking with us on Twitter, give us some ideas for stuff you'd like to hear about in the show. And we'd love to cover that. We've also started streaming on occasion, which we also announce on Twitter. So yet another reason to follow us there. We also ask that if you enjoy the episode, tell a friend about it. Like it, rate it, star it, thumbs up, subscribe, whatever the app lets you do. Uh, and again, sharing it just with someone else, even if it's just one other person that you think might enjoy it, really goes a long way. We also invite you to join us in our Discord or in our Steam group. All of the links for all the ways to get a hold of us are available in the show notes, so please check it out there. And if you'd like insights from me, Walker, on just about anything else in life not related to gaming, then I invite you to check out my other podcast, The Walk Show, which is available everywhere podcasts are found. 